0: Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist, who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Collaborating with other artists in your community can be beneficial to fostering mental health. Comic writer Mark Bouchard is the creator-editor of Everything is Going Wrong, Comics on Punk and Mental Illness, featuring more than 60 creators and musicians. In undertaking the project, Mark was given the privilege and responsibility of curating other people's mental health experiences, a task he took very seriously. I have my own experience with this. The Scream Therapy book features more than 30 people who talk to me about mental health issues. And writing about them and their stories was something I didn't take lightly. Ultimately, these stories, like the stories in Everything Is Going Wrong, help people know they're not alone. The tight-knit punk scene has so much potential to be a model for mental health. It's the ones who spread the message beyond the borders of the subculture, like Mark Bouchard, who are the unspoken heroes.
1: My name is Mark Bouchard, and I write horror comics. I used to play in punk bands, and I spend a lot of time going to shows and being around the scene. I tried to bring that to whatever comics I'm doing. My first big project in comics was an anthology called Everything is Going Wrong, Comics on Punk and Mental Illness. Basically, I wrangled together about like 60 punk musicians and comic creators, and they provided written accounts of their own experiences, like on the road with mental illness, or uh, they teamed up with comic creators people who might not play music but still uh, consider themselves punks and like do a lot of stuff around the scene, um, and they contributed as well. We raised money for Music Cares and uh, the Trevor Project with that anthology. So the
0: intersection between mental health and punk rock is mm-hmm. something that I talk a lot about on this podcast. In fact, it's pretty much the whole idea of the podcast. When you did the comics and putting together graphic novels, were you surprised at the connection between that community and mental health? Uh,
1: just because of being a- around the community, I knew that there was like a lot of people who did comics, like kind of about that. But I was surprised by how much overlap there was with the punk scene. Certain things are so niche. And I found some of my best friends working on this book. Part of that is because we found out we like really were into the same bands.
0: The idea of doing a graphic novel about mental health issues, mental health conditions, must've been pretty daunting. Sounds like you've reached out to a lot of folks and got a lot of involvement, including people in bands as well. Yeah. When you first started the project, I know there would've been a spark and energy behind doing it, but there must've been also some trepidation.
1: Yeah, I wanted to get it right. And I guess as right is very subjective. The way I was trying to get it right was just by getting as many accounts as possible so that we could have as well-rounded as possible of a book and encapsulate as many experiences as possible, while also like giving newer creators a platform and then bringing in some more established creators. For
0: someone to take on a project like this that looks at the intersection between mental health and any community, in this case punk rock, they have to have some stake in the game. What got you here? It's not an easy thing to do to... Talk about mental health and to do projects around mental health because it can get heavy. Mm -hmm. How did you get to the place where you wanted to do the project?
1: I went to this university where there weren't a ton of punks. I saw the disparity in like my punk friends who were either like dropping out or like having trouble finding stuff, having trouble acclimating to post school. For lack of a better word, these like normies who went into finance and like everything's going fine and like they don't consider. The issues that surround their daily lives, how I think that punks do, at least like political punks, I just wanted to draw attention, I guess, in some way, because it's very clear by a lot of the subject matter and like, what are these bands are saying about people are reckoning with this stuff all the time. For me, I'm bipolar and getting a handle on that was like a large part of my early 20s. And as I started moving away from doing live shows, because touring and, like, doing live music just wasn't good for me. Like, I don't drink anymore. And when I did that stuff, I liked to drink. All that stuff coming into one and wanting to draw attention. I don't want to be cliche, but, like, punk rock is one of my favorite things ever. Like, I'm not going to say punk rock saved my life. That would discount what I have done. But that is a sentiment that, like, is very... uh The bumper sticker I put on my car in high school is still there. (laughs) It still says punk rock saved my life. So,
0: Yeah, that's a big part of the Scream Therapy history is that phrase punk rock saved my life. And I know it can be dramatic and I understand completely what you're saying. But I think there's so many different levels to it. I mean, I've talked to people for the book and the podcast about people that are actually saved literally by punk rock, whether it was a song lyric or they're at their lowest and that jogged them out of a suicidal Mm -hmm. attempt or whatever the case may be. But also the so much metaphorical meaning in the punk rock saved my life. You know, where do we go? What path do we take? Where would it be without the music? Mm-hmm. For me, when I was diagnosed bipolar as well, one of the huge things for me was learning about the condition. And one way that I did that, which I found the most effective, was to read. And I had all these kinds of books around I was reading. And it was actually a graphic novel that got me the mm-hmm. most affected by what it actually meant and what the condition entailed and it was marbles by ellen forney Mm. and that was the one that really stuck with me so when i heard about this project i was like yeah you know graphic novels comics that's a really effective way to reach people
1: yeah i love comics i think it's one of the most powerful mediums up there with music i love movies too but like i think the ability to control the pacing at which you consume the graphic novel i really enjoy that and like the way you can let stuff sink in or like breeze through to get to the next beat comics are great one of the best ones that comes to mind immediately it's called stone fruit it's about a lesbian couple who have like they've broken up but they still take care of one of their nieces together a few days a week and uh, one of them is profoundly depressed just the way the cartoonist digs into the human part of it all is just like really grounding I cannot draw. Let's just put that out there. Neither can I.
0: Horrible artist. I suck. But I can write about mental health. Mm -hmm. I've written the book about mental health in my own experience and other folks' experience for the Scream Therapy book. But I'm wondering,
1: how do you draw mental health? I don't draw any of my own stuff anymore because I'm working with like publishers and stuff. I think it depends. It's very situational. I have a friend and there's a a thing in the book. I won't go into their story because it's not my story, but... They did this comic on, like, a very educational comic about living with schizophrenia that is uh, very, very much used the comic medium, like, every strength that it has, and it just, like, I learned so much in, like, this eight-page comic. The art really lended itself to explaining the condition in a way that I don't think I would have been able to understand if it had just been prose.
0: I was worried when I first started doing the podcast and also researching for the book and interviewing people that there wouldn't be very many people out there that would want to talk about mental health. And in fact, it was the direct opposite. People were more than happy to talk about it and were excited to be able to talk about it. So I'm kind of wondering what the response was from your contributors when you first contacted them.
1: I'd say the response was overwhelmingly positive. Like most people were very interested in the project and the only people who didn't sign on were for the majority of them, it was like, they were comic people, and this project was for charity, so we weren't paying that much. I would have liked to pay more, but this was my first time out, I didn't really know how to like raise enough money. Yeah. We paid like a small amount, but the rest of it like went to charity. But the people who signed on were like very excited. One of my favorite comics in the book is about someone going to a Thursday show and crying at the show. The comic is called Love All the Time off the song War all the time. I remember that artist being like, I'm so excited to do this. A couple of the bands were like, I have artists in mind. Like, I'm so excited to do this. People really do want to talk about it because for so long, I feel like the stigma around mental health, it wasn't like commonly talked about until a few years ago, especially with the more quote unquote serious mental illnesses. You know what I mean? Like people used to like clutch their pearls or like gasp about, but Now we know that these are just like other conditions with the proper care and management and self-attention and like medical attention, like you can just manage it and go about your life.
0: And it's just sometimes the amount of knowledge that people have and how prevalent it is. Anxiety had a huge rise, especially around the last few years. Mm -hmm. Anxiety became almost to the forefront of mental health and even just people's lifestyles in some ways. But a condition like bipolar schizophrenia isn't as common mm-hmm. and it can raise some eyebrows for sure. I had never heard the word bipolar before I got diagnosed. As far as being a condition I'd heard as a slur or whatever. I never knew what it was as a mental health condition. So that says a lot, someone that lived with it for 46 years and didn't even know what it was. What was your experience? He's mentioned you've been diagnosed when you were in your twenties.
1: I was diagnosed first with anxiety. And then they were like, oh, well, also there's depression and like, not the meds they were giving me, like, weren't really doing a lot. It wasn't like until I had finished school that I got a doctor who was like, well, like you have, they're saying you have both these things, but like, you're probably just bipolar. I kind of suspected I hadn't gotten meds at that point, but I kind of suspected because basically I had moved to Utah for a little bit. I got an interview for this job back where I went to school, which is Chicago. That's where I live now. They were like, yeah, you have to come for the final interview. Because I told them I lived there, so they'd like, take me seriously, you know? I think I decided, and 36 hours later, like, I had packed up my place, everything was in my car, and I was in Chicago. And I was like, well, if I don't get this job, I guess I'll go to St. Louis, work at the post office or something, like, don't really know, but... But looking back, that was like, oh, damn, like that was a very, very uh, efficient and fortunate manic episode. Like, there's no way I could have pulled that off without something like that. It was a miracle. I ended up getting that job and it like was very helpful for me to get back on my feet, you know, and like get stable and like collaborate with people and like get medicated. And
0: And there's these hypomanic episodes that pull you in a direction that can be very beneficial and change your Mm -hmm. life then there's manic episodes that can be the exact opposite and yeah, almost end your life in some cases. One of the things that I was really worried about when I first came home from the hospital, I had these ideas to do these mental health podcasts about punk rock and a book about punk rock and mental health. And of course, those things have come to fruition. But it's really hard to trust when you're manic. What ideas are good mm-hmm. ideas and what ideas are just way out there ideas that could cause a lot of harm and a lot of damage. In the case of the anthology, I know it's not some like wild over the top idea, but did you feel like maybe there was a bit of a, you know, I'm being really ambitious here. When I have Mm -hmm. something that I really want to do, I really have to keep it in check and say, Mm -hmm. can I do a tour of this thing? Is it a manic thing or is this a real thing?
1: So I wanted to be really meticulous about it because I really wanted to do this project. And I think this was like one of the most on brand projects I could have started my comics journey with. I edited and curated the book largely, but I always knew that like writing was what I wanted to do and I wanted to make not exactly make my name but like after this project more people like knew who I was. There were 60 people who worked on it, you know, and like if they didn't know me, like they knew someone who worked on it. It's such a small industry. It was very important for me to like do everything correctly and do it in a way that didn't I didn't want to upset anyone with this project. Very early on, we had an enamel pin designed for it. The one we ended up going with is just like a brain with a bandaid on it, and it says, get help. Originally, it was like a bottle of pills that had spilled over, and it says, get help. And then someone pointed out that that looked like kind of like an overdose. We were like, all right, we don't want to do that. So we don't want to like upset anyone like that. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm upsetting people, I would like it to be the correct people.
0: I had the same kind of experience. It was wild. So... I was working on the book cover and I was gonna use like a beat up microphone. And then originally I was gonna have a bottle of pills there. And then my publisher and I both agreed that it could look like an overdose. But then I took away the pill bottle and took more photos. And just with the microphone, I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. But I went upstairs and started working on it. And actually the microphone cord that was behind the pill bottle was shaped like a heart. It's just this fluke thing. (laughs) So there you go, there's the cover. Hell yeah dealing with other people's stories and art and being the curator of that and being in your case, one of the editors for the anthology, how did you feel about that process of basically people are handing you their art and saying, okay, here you go. Now it's, it's your responsibility to take it to the next level.
1: It was really, it felt like a big responsibility because these stories were like so personal. And some of these people were like, some of them were my friends who I knew from the punk scene and like, They hadn't done comics before or they were interested in comics and hadn't done them before. And so some of them were, like, really taxing to do. Like, one of them I, like, sat down with the writer and we, like, hashed a bunch of stuff out, figured out what story beats would happen based on, like, certain hospital stays and, like, issues surrounding getting discharged and stuff like that. And it was heavy. And uh, at the end of the day, I didn't want to mess with any of the, like, subject matter if that makes sense like i was more focused on the story beats and more focused on like making sure these stories came through in a way that uh people would want to read them and like even if they were heavy stories there would be either some educational factor and enjoyment factor based on like the art and like how they were presented
0: you mentioned the the bottle with the pills on it get help were there other things in the anthology that you were worried about might be taken the wrong way or might be a little bit over that line
1: so we did do this disclaimer did a pretty big blanket warning for all kinds of stuff so I wasn't too worried about the reaction to stuff in the book I think we took like all the necessary precautionary steps to like make sure that it was accessible while also like making clear what the subject matter was in a way that like no one was going to pick this book up and unless you just flip to the middle like you know what you're getting in for
0: what were one of the submissions that came in have a bit of a pie in the sky when you ask for it and all of a sudden there it is you know i've had those moments on the podcast including jeff from thursday who was on the podcast
1: yeah i think the biggest ones okay so the biggest one that didn't pan out i had an email chain that was maybe like eight emails back and forth with Justin from Motion City Soundtrack. And that would have been really cool. I got their first CD like when it came out and I was a kid. I still listen to them, so that would have been really cool. And I think in terms of comics, there's this guy, his name's Brian Level, and he is a tattoo artist, first and foremost, but he also does a lot of fill-in work on like Batman and stuff, and he does his own horror comics. He is both a tattoo artist, a heavy metal guy, and punk guy, and a devout Christian, which I think is like, not a a thing you get a lot. And he did this three page, mostly silent story about a crust punk camping out in a squat with a pit bull. The only words were like, there is a dark hum," I think repeated in like every panel. It was just about like this small box and like a bunch of hands came out of the box and like dragged the guy in. And it was about anxiety and the way it is rendered. It's one of the more entertaining stories in the anthology. But it doesn't use any of the language. You could read this story and be like, this is just a story. But then I was like, "I I, just for me, like, I need to know a little background, you know, because it was so sparse. And he told me about the anxiety and stuff like that. I don't want to get too much into it because, like, he uh, did say he wanted, like, the the imagery to, like, stay mysterious to uh, all readers. So I said I wouldn't spoil it, you know, because I think... These He did a few interconnected shorts about this, and uh, I think he's planning to use them for another project. It was a huge get. Like, he's a very talented artist. I'd love to get tattooed by him someday. He's just, like, five-hour drive, and that's, like, a little far from me right yeah. now.
0: <laughs> yeah. One of the things that folks with mental health conditions are prone to do is to dramatize their, their situations, their issues, and it's not done in, a, like, a bravado way or bragging it's mm-hmm. basically a way of saying hey look this is what's happening it's real it's awful mm-hmm. and so the name of the anthology everything is going wrong i um, thinking of the here's collective you know it's okay not to be okay those kinds of
1: things mm-hmm.
0: picking the title how did it come to you
1: there are a bunch of different titles i think i like mocked up like a, a couple dozen i knew it was going to be comics on punk and mental illness i wanted to like give an urgency to the title because it's like very, uh, in some cases, very urgent subject matter. My friend uh, who did the cover art for the project was just like, I have an idea based on that. The idea basically didn't change too much. And now I think it's really cool. We met because of doing that project. And like, because I liked their comics, they were doing fan comics of pop songs. And now we're like best friends. I wouldn't have even known them if not for those pop comics and like, We talked for a while and I was just in their wedding a few months ago.
0: Obviously this project, you met a lot of people, Mm -hmm. formed friendships that probably have lasted and will last on a creative level. How it informed your artistic pursuits, your writing, Mm
1: -hmm. even your involvement in punk rock going forward. It definitely made me more collaborative. I think. I pride myself on a lot in working with artists is that the conversation begins, even if I have a book, for example, like I'm working on a book right now, I have six chapters outlined. I think it's gonna be nine or 10 chapters. I'm taking some time away from it because I asked an artist to work on it. But the first thing I asked is like, I'm just gonna put this down for a little bit until you get back to me because I wanna know what you wanna draw. I wanna be sure that I can work in what you wanna draw to the book. So like, you're gonna have a good time. It's not like me as a writer and like you as an artist. It's like we are making this thing together. I have so much more fun now. I think it's a lot more rewarding and I think the work is better. This book did connect me. I know of one graphic novel that I connected this artist and writer and they did a five-page thing about uh, body dysmorphia in this book. And now they have a full graphic novel coming out and they only work together because they met doing this short comic on this book. They have a full book coming out in like six months. So I'm very excited to read that. But otherwise, like I immediately after I met this anarchist who quit comics, he did one comic at a publisher and then he did a a one page. Oh, this was a really cool thing. Days and Days wrote a song for the book. The comic is just like the lyrics from the chorus and a one page comic. But Jesse was like, I don't know how to write any like statement or whatever, like, I only know how to write songs, so I'm just going to write a song. And that song became Darling Dopamine, which like did pretty well for them. That was really cool because coming from folk punk, they're pretty big.
0: How is being creative and working on graphic novels and writing affected your mood episodes, your bipolar mood episodes? I try to keep pretty much
1: everything on lock. I take this stuff really heavily. So when I feel like anything's going on, like if I feel like I'm about to start an episode or something, first thing I do is I reach out to my psych guy and then uh, I put down what I'm working on unless I'm like, if I'm like in the writing stage, you know, I don't want to work on anything. If I'm potentially going to like try to deviate from my outline and do something that would not uh, benefit the final product. But in the outlining stage, you know, that sometimes it can be helpful because it just throwing stuff down and seeing what works and like being able to get all of your ideas like at such a rapid speed it feels kind of like going through with a half finished puzzle and just like speed running like does this piece fit no does this piece fit no does this piece fit maybe i can keep that one set aside you know and then the depression hits and none of the pieces fit yeah i don't know if it's fortunate but i i only get a depressive episode every so often as opposed to like I'm type one, so I mostly am dealing with the mania.
0: That was my conversation with comic book writer Mark Bouchard, barkmouchard.com. I now have a tea Public store where you can buy Scream Therapy merch, so head over to ScreamTherapyHQ.com, support the podcast, and get some fancy new duds. Big news over here in Scream Therapy land. The Scream Therapy book, Scream Therapy, A Punk Journey Through Mental Health, will be published this spring by Mansfield Press out of Toronto. The book features my story and the stories of others who use punk rock as a catalyst for mental health. To pre-order the book, go to screentherapyhq.com book. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Screen Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohoman nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well.